In today's show, we're going to be talking position tiers, shooting guard tiers with Matt Smith of Basketball Monster. Michael Bolton's here. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Yesterday, we looked at point guard tiers. Today, we are doing tiers for shooting guards. And of course, to talk shooting guards, I am joined by once again, the man of the tiers, Basketball Monsters, Matt Smith, Matt Welcome back. Ah, Smitty. Good to have you back. Thank you, Josh. Good to be on. Good to, good to be talking again with the magic of podcasts and videos that we are doing this five minutes after finishing the last one. So, uh, yeah, not much to catch up on. But let's talk shooting guards. If you want to hear what the tiers are, go back and listen to the start of the Point Guard show so you can hear Matt discuss it. We don't need to go through that every single time and, and talk about what's uh, what's going on. But let's uh, let's talk shooting guards. Let's talk about where we sit in the tiers. And nobody, I think, is going to be too surprised that at number one, there's a bloke sitting on his own. We talked about him yesterday as someone that's in discussion for the number two overall pick Jim Harden sits there Matt he does yeah and he averaged 24 points eight and a half rebounds nearly 11 assists 1.3 steals 2.7 threes as a member of the Nets last season alongside Kevin Durant um, and Kyrie Irving as you mentioned we both like him at at number two overall um, but in any case he shouldn't fall out of the top five and probably top three in most formats so we've got him in the shooting guard tier here but yeah, that's mainly for familiarity, but realistically, he is the Brooklyn Nets point guard and Kyrie Irving is the shooting guard, but people won't necessarily think that when they're drafting their, their teams, but he's going to be eligible across both positions. Yes, the usage hurts you know, with Durant and Irving there, but his game is based on not just on that. It's He rebounds, he gets he hits threes, he gets huge assist numbers, he gets steals, he blocks shots. I think he will suffer a little bit, Matt, with the new um, free throw drawing mm-hmm. rules. I think mm-hmm. him, Trey Young, and Luca. And yeah, Lou Williams, Danilo Gallinari, to a smaller extent, they probably get hurt the most, but it's not going to be enough to really knock him out of this year, top five, top four type discussion. No, definitely not. So he's pretty safe. We did mention that there is a little bit of a rest concern down the stretch, particularly for head to head to have head to head playoffs. Um, but I'm not moment, I mean, You need you need to get to the playoffs before you can win them anyway. And James Harden's going to get you there. I'm not particularly worried. Harden is a bloke that has always played through. He's always, um, yeah, he was hurt. He pinged his hammy like three times last year. I don't think that's necessarily something that's going to continue. And he's a guy that plays big minutes. And I really do not think that the Nets doctors are going to come in and say, Jim, can you play? We're going to play you 32 a night. You're going to sit every back-to-back. He is going to respectfully tell them to fuck off. And he's going to play. And that's what he's always done. Even through Houston, when they were like the number one team in the NBA, he played every game. And he played big minutes. He just never sat down. So unless he gets hurt, and part of the reason why he got hurt last year or got hurt again it's because they said, Jim, go easy. And he said, no. As simple as that. And he said, no, I'm playing and, and hurt his hamstring. Hopefully, he's learned that lesson. But if he's actually healthy, I, don't, I think the risk of him sitting just because he's healthy uh, or to preserve him, I just I just don't think it's going to happen. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just not that concerned about it. Tier two, Matt, one bloke sits here. Um, I expect him to be better than last season, and that is Bradley Beal. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, a guy you can look at in the in the back end of the first um, round. Um, massive usage coming his way without Russell Westbrook and could lead the league in scoring and has incredible efficiency to match. So um, Bradley Beal's looking like another strong um, season coming up. Would you take him ahead of Luka Doncic? No. I wouldn't either, but to me, he's like, it's him and Tatum and Embiid for the next guy out of that group of the top eight that we discussed yesterday. And yeah, if you wanted to go either one of those directions, yeah, I don't think Beal should be slipping past 10 in any draft. And yeah, I did a mock draft and I got him at 11 the other day when I was pretty happy with that. I don't think he should slide past number 10, but he's pretty clearly sitting here as a, as a tier two shooting guard. Would you, yeah, you wouldn't let him get past 10, would you? No, definitely not. And I was just going to ask you if you would take him or Tatum first. Um, whew, I, I probably take Beal. Personally, just getting like maybe 31 points a game. I think that's the value in getting Brad Beal there. I, I probably do take Beal over Tatum, but I can understand going with Jason over him. What would you do? I'm probably leaning Beal as well. Um, once again, for the points advantage, but, and I'll say it again, and I always say I love assists. So the assist advantage that Beal does bring, and particularly from a shooting guard position where you can lock in basically five to six assists, that might give him the edge, but it's really close. Yeah, it's it's it is very close. And yeah, I don't think if you choose Tatum or you choose Beal or you choose Embiid or whatever, there's no wrong answer there. Like you do whatever you feel like you need to do, and you can't be like you know roasted for doing either or the other. It's, they're really really close in that area. But he sits it sits pretty clear in tier number two. In tier number three, we've got four guys sitting in this group, Matt. We do. We have Zach Levine, we have Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, and Shay Gilgis Alexander. Um, I'm not overly enamored with Levine, Mitchell, or Brown in particular. Um, I don't think there's a massive increase in value coming. I also don't think there's a massive decrease in value coming, but I think they're pretty safe picks. Zach Levine in particular, um, probably late second to early third Mitchell and Brown might be a little bit later than that I love what Shea can offer um, but I do think that the Thunder may look to rest him potentially shut him down if he gets injured again um, and the Thunder look to tank in the second half of the season so that's the concern with Shea but I think in the next couple of seasons we'll be talking about Shea Gilgis Alexander as a top 15 player um, he is that good He'll be better than these guys in the future. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he can get to a level higher than Levine, Mitchell, and Brown. But you're right. Now, this he didn't get Al Horfforded last year. It wasn't a fake injury because he didn't wasn't able to play even through the, the Olympic stuff for Canada, which he, he was ready to do. But he was still actually hurt then with that uh, plantar fasciitis issue. But any sort of thing that does go wrong with him, any ankle tweak, knee soreness, they will be extra cautious with him and they will sit him um, probably more than other teams would. But they're not going to just... They're not going to as they try and develop their young team after they've just paid him yeah, $200 million for five years. They're not going to come out and make him play or you're only going to play 30, this, 30 games this year, Shay. Like he, they're going to be cautious with him. They're going to be extra careful with him, but otherwise he's going to have high usage, high minutes in the games he played. But the worry is there that any injury will set him back an extra 20% that it would have in a situation where they were being competitive. Levine loses a bit of value from where he was last year, I would say, Matt, because he was, what, the 14th ranked player? Yep. Really hard for him to get back. Like him and Beal were really close last year, whereas there's a big gulf between them now. 
Yes, agree. And yeah, that's why he's probably down in the Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown tier. Do you have a preference there between maybe those four or three of who you, you would look to target or just depends I on personally, what you're looking to do? I probably do take Levine out of that group. Uh, the worry with Shea with games missed is, you know, that puts him a little bit behind. Uh, Mitchell, we're expecting improvement to get to this level and... I think it'll happen, but I don't know that it'll happen. While Jalen, I think, sort of sits in that area. So I, if I had to, like, yeah, tier within a tier, I'd probably do Zach, Jalen, then Donovan and Shea together, whereas Shea would be number one if I didn't have the uh, extra cautious um, approach of the Thunder to uh, to be concerned about. Yep. No, I like that, and I, I tend to agree. And Jalen Brown... The only thing against Jalen, particularly in head-to-head legs, is he doesn't actually give you a big boost in any one or two categories. He's very even across the board, an excellent roto player. So that's why, yeah, not quite convinced on on Brown on head-to-head, but I agree. I think probably Zach's the first one. Then I'd probably take Mitchell and Shea close and then Brown fourth. It's that time of year again where all eyes are turning to football as teams are out there on the gridiron playing college football, pro football starting really soon as well. So Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. Be sure also to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September the 9th opener between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, you get your bet refunded up to $25 for new customers who sign up with the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Does this sound familiar? You have got one device that lets you catch the game live, another where you can watch your favorite shows and stream them, another where you watch sports highlights on your phone, whatever, and then you borrow your neighbor's login for the other good stuff. Well, I don't want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together, and it is called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Let's look at the tier four package for shooting guards. Matt, a couple of guys in here, one of your uh, one of your favorites. It is, and that's Devin Booker, and the other one is Anthony Edwards. Um, Suns couldn't quite get it done in the NBA Finals, Josh. We had a 2-0 lead going in, and then Giannis and Middleton Drew took over and wasn't quite meant to be, but incredible season for the Suns. And then we know Booker obviously went off to Tokyo for the Olympics, so he's had a massive, um, well, I was going to say off-season, but it hasn't been an off-season. So maybe the Suns look to be a little bit cautious with him, not just physically, but but mentally as well. Um, And Anthony Edwards, just a massive run home in his rookie season last year, posted top 40 value in the uh, yeah, top 40 value over the final 20 games. Um, and I was talking about Jalen Brown before with a very consistent, very even um, fantasy game. And Anthony, Anthony Edwards um, has something similar. Um, so yeah, he could be pushing up into that next tier come this time next year. The reason Booker is out of, say, like tier three and tier two where he'd been in the past is that with Chris Paul around, his assists just evaporated completely. And he also doesn't take 
and hit that many threes. So you expect for a guy that, remember when he came in, everyone said, oh, he's like Clay Thompson. Well, he's obviously nothing like Clay Thompson, but he doesn't hit that many threes. So there is a, there is room if you know Paul gets hurt that the assist can jump back up and you can start hitting more threes and pushing back a little bit high. Whereas Edwards, a lot of what he was doing at the end of last season was no Malik Beasley, a banged up D'Angelo Russell as well. So now we've got to try and see how that all fits. I wouldn't be expecting Edwards to do exactly what he did last season. I think Booker can improve on what he did last season. Who would you take out of these two? Good question. I'd probably play a little bit safe and take Devin Booker. Um, yeah, I would too. With with the elite scoring, I, I do expect Chris Paul to miss some games this season, so that could give Booker a boost, um, puts the ball in his hands a little bit more and could increase his assists. Um, so I think probably for those reasons, yeah, I'd, I'd take Booker over Edwards. Let's look at Tier 5. There's one bloke sitting here. Got to gotta hit the music. Maximum Derek. Um. He, you don't have to take this guy that high. He's going to slide down. But with DeMar DeRozan gone, yeah, he is going to be the the best offensive player on this team. Um, he had some rough goes with field goal percentage last year. He had that toe injury. He's going to get more opportunities to handle the ball as well. Um, he's a better passer than DeJounte Murray. But you can get Derek White in the 70s, 80s, 90s of drafts. But I, I really do think him and DeJounte are going to step up big time this season. That's why we've got them in that similar area in uh, in leagues. Derek Watt's 27 years of age already, yeah, Josh. We've been waiting for a, a, you know, a year or two for him to have you know the, the big breakout season that we've been expecting. Is this the year it's going to happen? I don't know. If he, I don't think he's going to become like a top 40 guy or anything like that, but I think this is, will be his best pro career. But you're right. like the, the time is ticking on him. Last year, it wasn't a great situation with COVID and multiple toe injuries and DeRozan handling the ball so much, but those things aren't there. There's no impediment. Team having a big season now, like Lonnie Walker is not an impediment. Josh Primo, Bryn Forbes, like it's Derek White who is the best player on this team, I think, and the best offensive option uh, on this team, almost undoubtedly. So this is the opportunity for him to show what he can do. Yep, like it. Let's go on to tier six. One bloke sitting here now. There'll be everyone, nearly everyone. Listen, to this we'll we'll take this guy ahead of Derek White, um, and that's CJ McCollum. I just think he's last year he had the broken foot, obviously, which which limited him. He also was they were playing this weird situation where he was getting a higher usage than Damian Lillard when they played together, which was is absolute insanity. That should never happen, and hopefully Chauncey Billups realizes that should never happen. CJ's game to me is based on, on on scoring and on hitting threes. And we know that you can get threes later in drafts or off waiver-wise, so that diminishes his overall value. That's why I think he's a little bit lower here. But he's always someone that, to me, tends to get overrated in fantasy circles, hence why his ESPN rank is number 34. So you know, how do you view CJ? I completely agree. I think he does get over overrated and overvalued. Um, the points are really good. The threes are really good. The assists last season and probably again this season are okay. Um, you know, four to five assists per game, again, from the shooting guard position is good, but then he doesn't provide a positive contribution in steals or blocks or field goal percentage. Free throw is, is right on that borderline. Um, so another year older, 30, you know, some trade rumors around his name as well. So um, I'd, I'm definitely taking Derek White over CJ McCullum. CJ is more of that like, you know, fifth or sixth sixth round sort of guy. Like I, I think you can get White 
after him. I'm, I'm pretty sure the rankings would yeah, suggest that. Like he's Derek White's ADP is 105 on ESPN, so obviously you can get him at a better spot. It's 98 on Yahoo, despite his rank being 62 there. So he is sliding well. Then you can end up with both of these guys uh, if you played your cards right, and that's what you were looking for. But I think White is going to be a better option than CJ this coming season. Tier seven, there's one bloke here. Now I could easily make this argument, Matt, that Demar Derozan is ahead of Derek White and is ahead of CJ McCollum. I, I don't think that's that's a crazy thing to think, but we also don't exactly know how it's all going to fit with him in Chicago. Does he maintain a high level of um, uh, of assists that he had in the past now that he's playing with Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic who like to handle the ball? I'm just really worried about where DeRozan's value lies this season. Yeah, uh, and I agree. And and his, a lot of his value comes from the strong efficiency, which should hold, um, but the lack of threes obviously drag his value down, but we do know we can make them up later in drafts off on and off the waiver wire. So, there, so that's a an advantage there to DeRozan's game. So, mate, you're down by one. You're a Bulls fan. Down by one. Four seconds on the clock. You call a timeout. Who takes the game-winning shot? Um, I, I think it's got to be between Levine and DeRozan. You just look for who's more open, really. Like that's 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 the the benefit of having those sort of guys is you don't have to key in on one player that you can just try and get either of those two guys an opportunity. I think ideally you still go to Zach, but if DeRozan's open, like it's a 1A, 1B type scenario that you just go to whoever's in the best position to score. Good good work, coach. Thanks. Uh, I, I am a coach now. I don't coach basketball. Coach footy. And our, our season just got cancelled today. We're in the finals. We're ready to play finals. First year coaching and we got cancelled. Bloody COVID killed our season. Damn it. Are you a, are you a ranting coach or are you a calm, level-headed style of coach? I'm or pretty, your, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty calm with them. But occasionally you've got to bring out the aggro. You've got to, you've got to just know when, know when to use it um, mm-hmm. and to get them fired up. But most of the time I'm, I'm generally pretty calm with it. But uh, and- they're, they're a fiery bunch. Are you a forwards turns into the backs and the backs go into the forwards at, at halftime as well? Oh, well, we have to we had to do that. That's part of our club policy is that everyone needs to play one quarter in every area of the ground. Um, and except when we got to finals, I was ready. Like, oh, now I've got my game plan going. I can put everyone in there. But we had a we had a pretty uh, pretty a pretty solid team that uh, had a lot of variability in where these guys could play. But in in general, I wasn't just like you know wholesale changes. We just mix guys up and uh, a lot of flexibility. And who, who's your mentor, like a Tom Thibodeau, Jason Kidd, or no, I'm definitely who, do you not, look up, who do you look up to? Definitely not insane like those guys, um, or, nor am I uh, a convicted domestic abuser like Jason Kidd. Um, who is, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Eric Spolstra, maybe just you know, calm, use yeah. use nice game plan type things, um, yeah, rationality to try and get through to them. And yeah, it worked pretty well. We finished we finished fourth on, on the ladder, so that was, uh, that was good. And unfortunately, what tier, what, what tier are we up to? Uh, I don't know, mate. Tier eight. Oh, here we go. Tier eight. We are up to, and uh, there's a lot of people in this one. Karis Levert, Storm and Norman Power, Buddy Hield, Colin Sexton, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. I look at this, and normally when I look at tiers, I go, "Well, they're sort of grand, you know, put in this same area," and I can understand, yeah, you know, oh, this uh, this guy stands out. It'd be the guy that I want. I look at this tier, and I go, "Yeah, I don't really know who it is." Like, I, I look at these guys and go, "If they all went within seven picks of each other, I wouldn't be surprised." Yeah, I agree. I, there's not a real standout for me either. I think, you know, Norman Powell is a maybe a cheaper version of Demar Derozan without the, without the assist. Karis Levert, we know he's posted top fifty value, but that was when the Pacers um, had a heap of injuries, and there's a new coach there. Buddy Hield, if you need threes, go for it. Colin Sexton, good scoring, um, but that's about it. And Bogdan Bogdanovich. 
Um, handy all-round player, but, you know, the Hawks had a number of injuries on the wings last season and he wasn't even a top 70 player there. So where does he go this season? So, yeah, once again, nothing nothing stands out here. Bogdan also yeah, shot like 45% from three. So that's probably going to come down. Like Again, I guess if I had to, I would take Levert because getting that value in assists is pretty pretty key and he's the best passer out of this group. Um, yeah, Powell probably pushes towards the back end. Bogdanovich has a lot of depth in Atlanta there, so how they work that. It is a really tough situation here with uh, with these tiers, um, which we'll get onto the next tier in a second. But I've got to tell you about Rock Auto. Matt, are you a person that knows how to fix their own car? I have no idea about fixing my own car. <laughs> Neither do I. But I, I've talked to all these locked on hosts and they go, yeah, yeah, I, I changed my battery. I, I, I bought a new something or other. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. But if you do know what you're talking about and you want parts for your car, Rock Auto is the place that you go. Why would you go to a local chain auto parts store to get those parts for your car when you can get them online at Rock Auto cheaper? They are an online family business that have been serving auto parts customers for 20 years. Why would you spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts? It's nonsense. You wouldn't do it. So go to rockauto.com and browse their easy-to-use website and find all the parts available for your car or truck. And in their How Did You Hear About Us box, right, locked on so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And it's that time again, Matt, for us to talk Built Bar. And I know you're sitting there salivating, waiting for me to send you that box of Built Bars. But if, guys, you're living in the United States or in Canada, you don't need to wait for me to send it to you. You can go straight to builtbar.com or actually built.com and order the best tasting protein bars ever. Great flavors, raspberry, strawberry, orange, coconut, um, cookies and cream, plus all the limited edition flavors they bring out there. But it's not just about the taste. They're healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs per bar. These are healthy. They are delicious. And you can get them for 15% off by using our promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. So go to built.com, put the boxes into your cart, use the promo code LOCKED15, save that 15% at built.com. Built bars are the best tasting protein bar ever. Let's wrap up the rest of these shooting guard tiers, Matt. We're at to tier nine. Ivan Fournier, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Suggsy Suggs, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker in this group. Now, I think out of upside, I would say that Porter probably has the highest upside, but he is a horrendously overrated fantasy option because he is, again, poor field goals, low free throws, um, low steals, low blocks, and now he has to try and navigate where the hell he fits in with John Wall. But in terms of upside, I think he is the number one guy out of that group. Yep, and I would agree. He's got a touch of a Karis Levert about him as well. That's yep. a pretty good counting stats, but poor efficiency, so be aware there. Um, Alexander Walker showed it the last season. He can really contribute in points, steals, and threes. Should have an increased role going into this season as well, so I like him. Evan Fournier, um, pretty boring. And Jalen Suggs, not too sure what to make of him, but his steals in particular um, inflate his overall projection and value, so just keep that in mind. Um, if he comes up on our draft tracker, um, yeah, early. I think Suggs is really good. I worry about how they use him and Anthony together. I think eventually he's, it might not even take that long for him to establish himself as the best guard on this team pretty clearly ahead of Fulton, ahead of Anthony, but it might not happen. So there is risk in him, but yeah, I think he's still a guy that deserves drafting um, and we'll see exactly where he fits in with this squad. Well, Alexander Walker is going to score a lot. He's going to hit threes. He's not going to do much in terms of assists or rebounds or steals. Or eh, Steals are going to be okay at. But he should get that starting starting role that was held by Eric Bledsoe last season. So there's an opportunity for him to really break out. Tier 10. Interesting. Jalen Green and Clay Thompson. I know which one of those I'm taking. Which one are you taking? Uh, 
Probably neither, to be honest with you. We know Thompson's going to miss the start of the season and won't be back until sometime in December. Um, Jalen Green is going to have a, probably a slow start of the season like most of the rookies in the big run home. So if you are drafting either of these guys, I think you're really going to have to be patient um, and wait until probably when the calendar ticks over to 2022 before you're really starting to see some value. But I'm assuming you're taking uh, Jalen Green, Josh. Yeah, I've no interest in taking a bloke who's missed two years of basketball that won't play for the first two months, and then when he comes back, we'll sit back-to-backs and be on a minutes restriction, and maybe he's back at full minutes by the All-Star break. Like, maybe. And then, you know, what's the point of taking him at that point? Because, again, you can... Oh, I'll stash him in my IR, but, Matt, once he plays on Christmas Day, then you have to take him out of your IR... And then you're dealing with him playing 20 minutes a night for two weeks and sitting back-to-backs for three, four weeks the rest of the season, whatever it is. I just think for the 30, 40 games that you get out of him, it's not worth taking him where I believe he is being drafted, which is at 65 on ESPN and 72 on Yahoo. There's no no benefit at all for taking him there. While Green, again, will be a little bit... Um, rusty to start, you know, finding his space next to Porter, next to Wall, next to Wood, and having some efficiency problems. He's being drafted probably a little bit too high as well, 75 and 85 on ESPN and Yahoo, respectively. That's probably a little bit too high. I've got him more in that 100-type range, but yeah, he's a clear option here ahead of Clay. Um, I love, We love Clay. Like, everyone loves him, but his fantasy game is built on you know, scoring with threes, with good efficiency, and it's just going to be rough uh, early on. And, uh, maybe you get good clay in March, but it's not worth investing a pick in in the 70s on someone like that. Yeah, and once again, this is where their per game value comes out. You change that over to total value and there's a massive gap between the two. Yep, absolutely. Let's go on to tier 11 for shooting guards. A lot of guys in this group. Um, Danny Green, RJ Barrett, Will Barton, Josh Giddy, and Dante DiVincenzo. Giddy's probably more of a point guard, but we do have him in this shooting guard tier. If we want to look at upside of that group, I shit. Green's got no upside. I think DiVincenzo's upside's pretty limited considering it looks like he won't be ready to start the season. Barton's got a decent upside. Barrett's got okay upside, but like a few of these guys, the efficiency hit that he takes is pretty significant. And now he also has to share with Kemba and Fournier, which he didn't last season. So I'm not sure he actually takes big steps forward. Giddy's probably the best upside guy here, even though the chance of a hitting is probably the lowest out of all those. Yeah, I think so. I think if we're looking at Josh Giddy, think of him as a as a Lamelo Ball, Lonzo Ball style of point guard. Good rebounding, good passing. Um, the scoring isn't his strong suit, but I think those two categories will keep him fantasy relevant. Um, and once again, particularly in the second half of the season when point guards do tend to improve their value. Will Barton's a really interesting one with no Jamal Murray. Um, the Nuggets are just going to need someone yeah. to stand up and help out Nikola Jokic. Um, yes, it'll be Michael Porter, but is there someone else that can take on um, some scoring load and some production? And Will Barton could be that player. Yeah, I think he's going to have to be that player that steps up with increased usage. So I probably like him the best out of that group. And then yeah, Gideon Barrett probably come in next to me. But let's go through the last group of tiers for shooting guards. We've got Malik Beasley, Dylan Brooks, and Jordan Clarkson. I worry about how Beasley fits. Edwards is locked in as a starter. We know that. Um, we know D'Angelo Russell's there. I assume Beasley plays at the three, but he's then the fourth offensive option behind Edwards, Russell, and Towns. And his game is really predicated on getting usage and hitting threes and scoring. And yeah, I'm not sure he's going to have that. That's why he's at the back here. Dylan Brooks put up some good playoff numbers, but we know that his shot selection is horrendous. And as a fantasy player, he's significantly overrated. He's better in points leagues because you don't have to worry too much about him shooting 40% on 30 shots. 
And then Jordan Clarkson tailed off significantly after a red-hot start to last season. So they're all about right. Who, who do you... I probably prioritize Clarkson out of that group because uh, I feel confident in his role. I know what he's going to be doing. Beasley, I'm not sure. And Brooks is you know all over the place with that inefficiency. Yep. I tend to agree. Again, Jordan Clarkson, um, as you said, the most stable role, good points and threes, and hopefully that can continue over the, the whole season. Dylan Brooks um, will just destroy your field goal percentage. And Malik Beasley is... There any chance that they might use him in that Jordan Clarkson role and potentially bring him on the off the bench as a six man? Um, looking at their bench, there just doesn't seem to be a, a standout scorer or go to guy. But otherwise, they're going to have to stagger um, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I, I would I would hope that they do that. Um, yeah, they could throw like a Josh Kogi in there at the three as just a defensive stopper type, and then run Malik, Malik Beasley with Patrick Beverly off the bench. I'm not convinced that they do. They paid paid him a lot of money, um, and I think he expects to start. But we'll see how. Chris Finch hasn't really had to work out that problem yet uh, with with Edwards and with uh, Russell fully firing alongside Beasley. Because remember, he missed the end of last season. I'm yeah, I'm not particularly. I don't think he replicates what he did last season. I'll put it that way for Malik. Yep, agree. And there'll be plenty of other um, threes and points options off the waiver wire that'll pop up during the season. Absolutely, there will be. Matt, that'll do it for us talking shooting guards. You'll be back next week to cover the rest of the positions, small forward, power forward, center. We did point guards yesterday, so go back and check that one out. And make sure you are following Matt on Twitter at Sports. Go check him out over there. And of course, at Basketball Monster. Matt, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Josh. And we'll talk to you next week. And that will do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. Leave your comments down below. Hit the notification bell, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.